Welcome to the Daily Detox Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Center, integrative health practitioner, licensed occupational therapist, and your health detective. I'm excited to share with you natural, evidence-based, and effective solutions for achieving wellness. Become educated and empowered to transform your health for a more vibrant and happy life. Well, hello, and welcome to Daily Detox. I am your host, Stephanie Center. I hope you all had a safe and merry holiday. I know this year looked a little different for us all, and well, it's just my hope that you were able to find a way to celebrate and still find joy in the season. My husband and I, we spent Christmas with my parents and my sister in Indianapolis, and it was wonderful. We stayed in our pajamas the entire time and watched Christmas movies and played tons and tons of games. We even brought out some of the old school games like Monopoly and Clue. Man, I forgot how fun those were. (laughs) We also played this new game called Mind the Gap, where trivia questions are broken down by the four generations, Boomer, Gen X, Millennial, and Gen Z. And it is so funny how I like, I knew every answer in every millennial category question and like nothing else. I highly recommend this game if you have multiple generations in a household. It's really fun. Kyle and I also made a lot of unique and tasty meals and we put together a couple of desserts from my favorite chef, Rachel Hepner, who just happens to be today's guest. If you check out her Instagram at Real Health with Rach, the two desserts that we made, and I, I also took pictures of them and put them in my stories, they were the chocolate bonbons and the apple cobbler. Oh my goodness. They were both gluten-free, dairy-free, as well as vegan and paleo, and they were absolutely delicious. I really love Rachel. She has a sparkling personality, and I'm thankful for her for sharing her health journey with us. In this episode, we talk a little bit about a lot of things, and we talk about like how she's how she got off hormonal birth control and what steps she took to do that. We talk a little bit about Jolene Brighton's book, Beyond the Pill. We talk about how she cleared up her skin which is something that I think we can all relate to, having some skin congestion, and how to navigate that in traditional and functional medicine. I thought that that was a really interesting conversation. But what I love most about Rachel's story is how relatable it is. She really navigated her health, like many of us, with both traditional and holistic strategies. And she had to toe that line and figure out what worked for her. And at the end of the day, my message, my my take-home message for you all with this episode is be your own advocate and listen to your body. Because we are not a one-size-fits-all cookie-cutter society. And you really do have to figure out what works best for you. If you are someone who has explored traditional medicine and you feel like you're still experiencing some health events, I have a couple of spots open in my one-on-one practice. And what I offer, you have to be all in for. It is extremely, extremely comprehensive. I order a GI map with intestinal permeability, a stress and hormones panel, 
uh, excuse me, a stress and sex hormone panel and a food sensitivity test on everybody that I work with. Um, I also strongly encourage metabolic typing so that you know which ratio of macronutrients your body thrives best on. And this program does require 100% commitment to making changes to feel better. So if this is you, if you are kind of, if you're out of sorts, I like to be the last practitioner that you see. I am unique in that I do treat every cell and tissue in the body, identifying those healing opportunities that that um, oftentimes go unnoticed when you're focused on a symptom, right? I think I've talked about this before. Like if you have migraines and you go to the doctor, the doctor's going to give you Imitrex or Frobotryptin or you know, fill in the blank. They're going to give you medication so that the next time you have a migraine, you have something to ease the pain. What that does not do is address what's causing your migraines in the first place. And I think migraines is a really good example because migraines could be caused by a hormonal imbalance, a food sensitivity issue, gut dysbiosis. Migraines have a lot of different root causes. So if we just chase after a symptom, you're probably not going to feel better because we're going to miss out on other healing opportunities that are hidden within the body. And so that's kind of how I work a little bit differently than maybe your typical practitioner. Anyways, if this is something you're interested in, reach out and we can have a conversation to see if, if I'm a good fit for you. You can find me on Instagram at Holistic Stephanie Marie. You can send me an email at info.holistichouse at gmail.com. Uh, you can go to my website, Facebook. I'm everywhere. So yeah, I hope to help some people in 2021. Back to today's guest, Rachel Hepner. She is a full-time corporate leadership coach. She is an integrative nutrition health coach, and she is the creator of Real Health with Rach, a food and wellness blog and podcast that helps women live their happiest, healthiest real life. At Real Health with Rach, she creates delicious, and I can really attest to this because I've tried tons of her recipes, delicious recipes for Whole30, paleo, dairy-free, and gluten-free lifestyles, along with sharing advice and guidance for living a healthy, non-toxic life. Rachel was inspired to start her blog after going on her own personal health journey over the past 10 years. She has struggled with chronic acne, food allergies, hormonal imbalances, and vitamin deficiencies. And she found healing through the Whole30 and paleo diets, detoxing from hormonal birth control, and working with her own naturopathic doctor for support. If you enjoyed today's episode, click the subscribe button on your podcast listening platform and you will be notified when new episodes come out. Also consider sharing this episode with your friends and family through word of mouth and social media. All right, let's bring in Rach. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Y'all, Rachel has a podcast called Real Health with Rach. You should definitely check it out. Uh, that's how I found her. She's got, she's just so genuine and so, so sweet sharing her experience with finding wellness. And so I have her on the show today to talk about her journey. Rachel, do you care to share a little bit about yourself with the audience? Yes. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here and get to know your audience as well. I run my podcast because I'm really passionate about health and wellness and I'm a totally open book. So a little bit about me. I'm an Arizona native, so I was born and raised in the desert. I 
absolutely hate the cold. If it's 80 degrees in my house, I have a blanket somewhere near me. And I'd say for a little bit about my professional background. So I went to my undergraduate and my master's degree in business. So my whole life I was told got to get a quote unquote real job. A real job is working in business. Mm -hmm. So I got a bachelor's and master's degree in business. And I currently work a full-time corporate job as a leadership coach for a financial services company. So I've been doing that for about five years. I absolutely love being a coach. I don't care too much about finance, but I think it's definitely worthwhile to know how to manage your own money. So that's that's probably the thing I've learned the most working in this industry, but I love being a coach. I love working with leaders, but it's not work that I was ever overly passionate about. So mm-hmm. When we get into my my health background and my journey, I'll, I'll talk a lot about that, but I was really inspired to start doing a type of work that I was overly passionate about. And that's why I started my blog and my podcast last year was to say, hey, I can be a coach and I can provide value and I can help people in an arena of my life that I really love. And I've learned a lot from personally and I want to share. Personally, um, outside of work, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. I have two cats, no kids. I love spending time outdoors. You can find me in my kitchen or in my garden. I love to travel with the exception of this year, that not really happening. And uh, I'm a totally open book. Anything that you guys want to know about. Well, thank you. And yeah, I, what really struck me with you, Rachel, is your experience in um, kind of navigating, you and I have a similar story in that you navigated your health through traditional medicine first. And so if you don't care to share your story on balancing hormones, um, how you navigated tough skincare issues, skin issues, and then also your experience with the whole 30 diet. Yeah. So if I want to start with my health journey, we have to go back to high school. So when Mm -hmm. I was a junior in high school, I started to get cystic acne. So I had had clear skin up until that point in my life. And it seemed like overnight, I started to develop really chronic acne. And I look back now and like the puzzle pieces all seem to fall together that about 18 months prior to that outbreak of acne, I was put on the birth control pill for irregular periods, which Mm. is a very common practice for teenage girls that if you're getting your period too often or not enough, they put you on the pill to regulate it. And I'll talk about why that's actually just masking symptoms here in a little bit. But Mm -hmm. when I started to get the acne, I went the normal route. So my parents took me to a dermatologist who said, okay, like, let's give you some topical treatments. I went through a ton of them. I was allergic to most of them. So I'd get like horrible rashes or like chemical burns on my skin. And they're like, hmm, well, this doesn't seem to be working. So let's give you pills. Let's give you more medications. So then I ended up doing antibiotics like clindamycin. I took spironolactone for a really long time, which if you don't know what that is, it's actually a blood pressure medication Mm -hmm. that in low doses they have found to help treat acne in women. So they said, okay, well, let's put you on this. I saw a little bit of relief. My gynecologist said, why don't we switch birth controls? Maybe it's the type of pill that you're on. So this went on, I'd say like my junior, senior 
year of high school, my freshman year of college. And I had a really critical turning point my freshman year of college where I took a class called stress management tools at ASU. It was an elective. I heard great things about it and it was taught by a naturopathic doctor. And I just took it because it sounded initially like an easy elective and like maybe I could learn some valuable stress management tools along the way. And it was so much more than I could have hoped for. And he helped us understand how your diet affects stress, how your lifestyle choices affect stress. He talked about food allergies, which was really the first time I'd ever heard about food allergies. And one day after Mm -hmm. class, I approached him and said, hey, I've been struggling with chronic cystic acne for three years. I've tried a lot of traditional therapies with no success. What else can I do? And he said, well, I can't see you because you're one of my students, but I can refer you to another doctor in my practice. So my first experience with a naturopathic doctor was in 2012 when I went to see a doctor at his practice for the first time to say, I've tried traditional medicine and it has failed me. My skin is no better there has to be something else I can do. So that was the first time I had like really diagnostic blood work done, a full hormone panel, a full vitamin deficiency panel, a full thyroid panel, and I did a full food allergy panel. So it came back that I was highly allergic to dairy, yeast, soy, and gluten. And I'd never been told that before by a doctor. Nobody had ever asked me. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to commit to it 100%. And I went cold turkey on my allergens for six months. And then they said, like, maybe you could try to reintroduce them. And I saw a lot of reduction in inflammation in my body, not just even my skin, but just overall inflammation. Like I felt like I looked less puffy and I just felt like I was operating a little bit better, but my skin wasn't fully clear. So this maybe gave me a 50% reduction in my acne. And at the time, the doctor said, hey, you know, I'm seeing some imbalances in your hormones. You're young enough that it's not really a big deal. Have you thought about coming off the pill? And at the time, I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> Sorry, that's not on the table right now in my life. I'm, in, I'm a sophomore in college. There's no way that I'm going to risk getting pregnant. Uh, no, I'm going to stay on the pill. I get that it's my choice. And I didn't really know much about it at that point and what the risks mm-hmm. were of staying on it. So I didn't actually find the Whole30 until a few years later. So I was avoiding like the yeast and the dairy and the gluten and soy, but that didn't mean that my diet was healthy. Like if you guys go to a health food store and you stroll down the gluten-free aisle, there are plenty of processed packaged foods marketed as gluten-free. And I talk a lot about that on my Instagram that they're not exactly one in the same. So mm-hmm. I graduate college. I probably ended up gaining 15 or 20 pounds over the course of college, eating processed foods, fast foods, junk foods. And after I graduated college, I got engaged and I said, okay, I want to fit in my wedding dress. I want to lose weight. So my initial intentions for getting healthy were were pretty vain. I wanted to look great on my wedding day. I wanted to lose some weight so that I looked great in pictures and my dress fit really well. So that was really when I started at least getting into exercise and having some healthier habits. But I didn't actually find the Whole30 until 2017, and I was doing CrossFit at the time. This was after my wedding, and one of my trainers was doing it, and at first I was like, oh, God, there's no way I could do that. Like 30 days of like no sugar, no dairy, no alcohol, no grains of any kind. That's crazy. But she did it, and I saw how great she looked and felt at the end, and I said, all right, like maybe I could do it. So I did my first Whole30 in March of 2017, and it changed my life. 
I can't believe how much my relationship with food changed in 30 days to realize, oh, I don't need to eat an entire bowl of pasta to feel like I've had a satisfying meal. And I didn't realize how few vegetables I was eating when Mm. I first did the Whole30. Like I was lucky to get one serving of veggies a day and the Whole30 asked you to have at least one serving of veggies at every meal. So it made me really, really mindful about my diet. And from there, I was like, okay, so my first Whole30, I was eating like grilled chicken and roasted broccoli. Like that was about it. It was pretty boring. I think I ate the same thing like maybe five or six days in a row. And the following year, I got my husband to do it with me. And he's like, Rachel, I'm not going to be able to do this if I have to eat grilled (laughs) chicken and steamed broccoli for 30 days. I'm just not going to be on that train. And I said, okay, like maybe I can start to get creative with some of the recipes and some of the things that I'm doing. And that's where I really got into the recipe development um, phase is how can I take things that are comfort foods or indulgent foods and make lighter, healthier options so you don't feel like you're missing anything. You can eat cookies, you can eat a delicious salad, you can eat a wonderful pasta dish, and you don't feel like you are being deprived. Mm Because if there's anything that I learned from the extreme dieting before my wedding is there was so much deprivation. It was, oh, I can't have any cookies right now because then I won't fit in my wedding dress or I'll gain weight or I'll look inflamed or I'll get a breakout. So my skin continued to kind of ebb and flow. I'd have some times where it was clear, sometimes where it was super, super inflamed. And I didn't really know why, because my diet had gotten so much cleaner. And after exploring what feels like every alternative for my skin besides Accutane, which I have not done and I will not do, I said, I don't want to put those chemicals in my body. I said, there's got to be something else. And I hadn't seen a naturopathic doctor since 2012. And I went and saw a new esthetician who was very pro like internal treatment for acne. And she said, I don't know if I can help you externally until we figure out what's going on internally. Hmm. So I decided to seek out a new naturopathic doctor in January of 2020 and go in for the full shebang again. So full diagnostic blood work. And this time I went in with a different view and said, the one thing I haven't worked on is birth control. Mm. I've been on it for over 10 years. I've been too scared to go off of it because I don't know what would happen. You read horror stories about people that get horrible periods after, or they get pregnant right right away. And that's really scary. And I said, you know, at this point, I don't really have much to lose. And we did a full uh, hormone panel and it came back that I had extremely high estrogen. I had extremely high testosterone and I had extremely low progesterone, um, like equivalent to someone who was in menopause. And that's the damage that the pill had wreaked on my body over 10 plus years of use, plus the spironolactone that I was still on. On top of that, it was the first time I had been diagnosed with hypothyroidism. So the ranges that naturopathic doctors look at for what they call optimal health are smaller than what a Western traditional doctor would look at. So according to my primary care physician, Western medicine, I had a normal thyroid. And according to my naturopath that was looking at a smaller optimal range for women my age, I had low thyroid. So I made the decision after reading a book called Beyond the Pill, which I would recommend to anyone who's listening, whether you're on birth control, you're thinking about going on birth control, you think you might want to get pregnant. It was a life-changing book to understand what the hormones were doing to my body and how to come off of them safely. 
And I've been detoxing from the hormonal birth control since February. I'm now on thyroid medication to help balance it. And I think my skin has cleared like 80% since then. So no changes in diet, no changes in topical treatment, just changing things on the inside that were really out of whack and feeling so much better. And nobody ever told me when I was 15 and went on the pill that, hey, like you're not actually going to have a period. You're going to have a withdrawal bleed from the medication. Right. And this isn't actually going to fix your hormones or your cycle. It's just going to cover them up. And I wish that I would have had that information because Mm -hmm. maybe myself or my mom would have made a different decision for me back then. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And, and I, I'm careful to toe the line. I don't want to say that, that I am against the pill because I'm sure a lot of women got to go to college because of it, but I wish I were better informed as well. That's something that I, I chat about with my audience. So I have a few clarification questions for you. I'm so, you said a lot of really interesting things. Um, so when you, when you had your thyroid tested, did you have antibodies against your thyroid or were you, was it a low T4, low T3? Yeah, good question. So I didn't have any antibodies. So I don't have Hashimoto's. I don't have an autoimmune response, but I was having really low T3 and Mm -hmm. really high reverse T3. So basically what was happening is my body was struggling to produce thyroid hormone and it was producing as much as it could. And for some reason it was all being diverted to reverse T3. So if you guys go to Google and you type in like a thyroid hormone chart, you can see the way that the hormones break down is like your reverse T3 is anxiety, stress, cortisol, and your regular T3 are some of the more positive benefits in your body, like balanced hormones, the clearer skin, like better digestion, like better understanding of your other metabolic function. So my body was trying desperately to produce thyroid hormone to divert to T3 and it was all going to reverse T3. So it was something that like without medication, we tried some supplements initially that didn't yield the results we were looking for, that now I'm on a, a low dose thyroid supplement, which is very natural. It comes from a pig thyroid material. Yeah. So Desiccated. it's not, yeah, exactly. So it was something that I was comfortable taking way more women than you think have thyroid issues that are undiagnosed. Because yeah. if you go to your primary care physician and they're looking at a wider range of normal you could technically be normal to them, but be low for you and not get the proper treatment. Yes. This is what I preach. Yes. (laughs) Because what is, what is normal for you might not be normal for the next person. And so if your if your thyroid, your T3 is on the low end of normal, but your T3 is typically high, then yeah, you're going to feel like crap if you're where you're at. Um, that was, that was a message that my traditional doctor could not, could not get. Um, so I'm really glad that you brought that up because I want people to know that like, I'm not special. This happens to a lot of people and we need more people to talk about it. Um, I'm also interested to know if, are you, are you, did you continue with the spironolactone? I didn't. So spironolactone works by basically removing the androgens from your bloodstream. So that would be like your testosterone, the male hormones, it helps to attach to them and remove them. I was seeing no positive benefit because my testosterone was still through the roof. So my doctor basically said like, this doesn't seem to be doing anything for you. There's no reason to be on this if it's not giving you a positive benefit. So I detoxed from the spironolactone at the same time as the birth control. So I don't want to sugarcoat this. The first four months were 
crazy. My skin mm. blew up and had like crazy breakouts. It was super inflamed, super uncomfortable. It took a while for my period to come back the first time. And I'm still dealing with some issues with irregularity, but I, th- I was so afraid that I'm like going to have cramps that were so bad. I couldn't get out of bed and mm. I was going to like have to like change a tampon once an hour. And I haven't had any issues like that because I detox from it properly. And I don't think there's enough education for women about how to properly detox from the pill that if you think you're just going to wake up one day and throw your pill pack in the garbage and that you're going to go back to your normal life, you're going to have a hard time. And if you go to your mm-hmm. doctor, they're going to recommend that you just go right back on the pill if they don't know how to treat you to say, oh, you went off the pill and your periods got really bad. So just go back on the pill instead of helping you to detox and rebalance your hormones afterwards. Yeah. So did you start your detox before you got off the pill? Can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So I followed the protocol in Dr. Brighton's book, which was also recommended to me by my naturopathic doctor. That's a great book. It's phenomenal. Like I wish that they were giving that to like girls in high school to read and educate themselves on their body. Because to be honest, I didn't really even know how my cycle worked before that. Like I wasn't in touch with my body. I didn't know really what was happening. And I followed the protocol in her book, which had you basically do like a 30 day, I'd say elimination diet and supplement protocol immediately following the end of your last pill pack. So I basically ended my last pill pack, went on a supplement regimen and did an elimination diet, which ironically is almost identical to whole 30 so that my body wouldn't be struggling to try to detox hormones as well as process like a lot of starchy carbohydrates, a lot of packaged goods, any kind of dairy or alcohol. It's, hey, your body's going to be working overtime just to detox the hormones. Don't give it the added burden of trying to detox a low quality diet. Yeah. Yeah. And detox the synthetic hormones. They're not even real. They don't even tell they us are that. They're not real. <laughs> They're not even real hormones. Your body doesn't even recognize them as real hormones, which is just like, crazy to me (laughs) that we put like, I'm grateful that the science exists and that women, you know, were able to transition from being out of the home. But yeah, I just think that that's, that's wild. And that's something, something I like to talk about too, is how it has to be synthetic, right? Because um, pharmaceutical companies can't patent things that naturally exist. So it has to be fake. Perhaps there would be an option for a real hormone based product, but we, because of political reasons, we can't, we can't explore that, which is unfortunate. Exactly. And now, so my progesterone still has not recovered. So that's like your feel good Mm. hormone. It it reduces a lot of menopause. So I'm now taking bioidentical progesterone. So similar to someone who's going through menopause where they may do bioidentical hormone replacement, I'm doing that now as well. And it's made through a special pharmacy um, Mm -hmm. that compounds these bioidentical hormones to help replace what my body lost as a result of the birth control and try to get my period back to a more normal cycle. But I would say for anyone listening who's on the pill and I'm scaring them and they're like, oh my God, I need to go off the pill tomorrow. It's your body and it's your choice. And in the book, Beyond the Pill, she talks about how to support your body if you stay on it. So you can stay on the pill. Like if you're if you're in high school or you're in college right now, or you're in a time in your life where you could not risk getting pregnant for whatever reason, 
She gives you advice on how to support your body if you continue to stay on it, which again, I just wish that I would have known. I wish my doctor would have known. I wish she would have educated me that, hey, while you're on this, you're going to need to supplement with certain vitamins. You're going to need to do certain things for your your microbiome so that you don't end up with vitamin deficiencies or gut dysbiosis as a result of these synthetic hormones. Yeah, absolutely. So how long have you been doing the bioidentical progesterone? Uh, that's only been about four months. So I did my first round of blood work in January. I did my okay. follow-up blood work in June. And it was at that point that we said, Hey, like we haven't seen enough progress. So I've been doing it for about four months now and the jury is still out. So the okay. goal is that the progesterone makes you feel good. You sleep better. You feel like your hormones are a little bit more plateaued. I have felt like it's made me a little crazy. Like I have felt like my hormones it's like adding that additional layer that I like feel a little more out of control in my hormones. I'm having larger mood swings for a lot of people, including me, it does induce bleeding. It's not a period, but it does induce bleeding because your body's not quite sure what's going on. Mm -hmm. So the jury is still out, but four months really isn't enough time. Like if you think about it, that's not even really four cycles that you need to give your body. I'd say like at least six to 12 months. Um, especially if you think you might want to get pregnant, like thinking you can come off the pill and get pregnant right away. I would say for a lot of women, that's not the case. And Mm -hmm. you probably wouldn't want to get pregnant right away because your body's not healthy yet. Right. So taking time to balance your hormones, get your vitamin stores back up. Even the thyroid, I just read an article about the link between low thyroid and miscarriage. So if your thyroid isn't working properly, your body has a higher chance of not being able to carry a baby to term. So if that's something that's on your horizon, give yourself at least six to 12 months to come off the pill, do it with the help of a doctor that could help you balance your hormones, your thyroid and your vitamins so that you're healthy. And then your baby's healthy whenever you do get pregnant. Yeah, that's great advice. Do you have any experience with seed cycling? Is that something you've ever done before? Yeah. So that's, uh, that's another thing in the book that I was like, Oh, like, this is very bizarre. I've never heard of this. I've never tried this. So I've been doing seed cycling. I make like these little cookies. So you eat like one type of cookie from like day one to 14, you eat another type of cookie from day 14 to 28. And the different seeds have different types of phytonutrients in it that help to interact with certain hormones in your body. The cookies taste good. Like it's not bad. It's not like I'm having to like choke down something that tastes horrible, but I still haven't noticed that I feel like it's regulating my cycle. So the one thing I will Mm. say before I went on the pill, I would get like one period every six months from the time that I started my period to 15 and a half. When I went on it, there was no rhyme or reason. I was just like, I don't, is this normal? I'm not sure what to do. So since February, when I went off the pill, I've been getting my period about every 45 days, but an ideal cycle is 28 to 32. So trying to figure out like what is still mm. causing it to be so long and trying the seed cycling, trying the progesterone supplementation, I think we're going to get there. But to me, it seems like a win to just even have a period that is happening at all regularly occurring without the intervention of synthetic hormones and that it's not horrible, um, that yeah. I'm not stuck in bed with cramps or, or feel so awful that I can't function day to day. Do you happen to know if your period is at all in alignment with either the new or the full moon? So that's like a big thing like that. You're not the first person to ask me this. And like, I'm not into astrology. I'm not into like the moon signs, but no, let me, let me check. I'm going to pull up my app. 
if you guys do not use an app to track your period and your symptoms, that would be the first piece of advice I would give you is like, get Ooh, what the app do you at? What app do you use? I use flow F L O. Okay. Um, and it's paid. So it's like $20 a year, but to me, it's totally worth it because it is crazy accurate. It is so crazy accurate. So, okay. Um, start of my last period was the 5th of October. Now I'm going to go to Google. <laughs> Let's see our moon cycles. See, I want to say October. Oh goodness. Was it October 2nd? No. Um, so it is a new moon right now. So our, maybe that means like a full moon. Was it a full moon on October 3rd? October 1st was a full moon. Okay. So it was right. Yeah. It was a little bit before when you got yours. But with my cycle being six weeks, I won't have my period again until the new moon of November. So that's like, what's a little bizarre is it's, it's happening consistently around every 45 days, but mm -hmm. it shouldn't be every 45 days. So I'd say getting an app to track it is very, very important. And now that I'm off birth control, I'm using basal body temperature testing for okay. pregnancy prevention. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I know not to overshare, but when I, when I made the choice to get off of hormonal birth control, I didn't get my period when my doctor told me I would, I went, I went to see a regular OBGYN again, overshare had IUD and she was like, yeah, you're going to get your period here in about five to seven days. And it took me almost three weeks, but I got it on the day of the new moon. And I thought, well, this, and that wasn't something I had paid attention to, except for, I knew that for seed cycling, if you didn't have a cycle, they recommend you start with the full moon and then you transition to, you transition from the flax and pumpkin to the sesame and sunflower on the new moon. And so I was like, okay, well, that's my backup plan if I don't get one. <laughs> um, and it was just really funny that that happened. And I was like, oh, wait, I know the moon has a relationship with like the tides um, in the ocean. But I was like, does it have a relationship with my body? This is kind of crazy. <laughs> so yeah, I want to know you make cookies for that incorporate the seeds. That is such a genius idea. I've never thought to do that. Is that on it, your blog or is that on your blog? Is that on your Instagram? It is not my genius idea. I cannot take credit for it. That okay. is all Dr. Brighton. So in okay. the book, she has a recipe for like the seed cycle, the seed cookies gotcha. for the first half of your cycle and the seed cookies for the second half. So it's like, it's really easy. So the, it's like, you don't have to try to like, oh, but I need to make sure I make a smoothie today or I need to eat a handful of pumpkin seeds. You just like make these little cookies and then you just keep them in your fridge and you eat like two a day every day until they're all gone. And then you make the new ones and you just gotcha. rinse and repeat. Cool. Cool, cool. So what are, I'm kind of curious because another reason I'm really drawn to you is because you are somebody who, you are, you are not yourself like a doctor. You're, you're somebody who has a business, uh, you have a business mass, a master's in MBA and you work in corporate America. And so I'm always curious on um, what kind of drew you from traditional to functional or holistic? I, I think that's really cool. You had a naturopathic doctor as a professor in college. I didn't even know that naturopathic medicine existed uh, at that point in my life. And so that's really awesome that you had that. But yeah, if you could kind of walk us through 
how you navigated both and how you ultimately chose what was best for you. Yeah. So I'd say the answer is twofold. Like one, I felt really lucky to have had that experience in college. And like, I look back now and feel like it was just fate, like the stars aligned that I was in a place in my journey where I was feeling like there were no answers. I was at a total dead end. Like every doctor was saying, you just need to do Accutane. You just need to do Accutane. And I didn't want to. So it was like divine intervention that I had a course in college with a naturopathic doctor as the professor. And two, like I just had this like innate feeling after my experiences with traditional medicine that I'm like, there has to be another way. There has to be something else. I've gone to every doctor. I've spent thousands of dollars. I haven't seen an improvement. The answer can't just be, you have to live with it. Like that isn't acceptable. Like there's nobody that should have chronic acne for a decade. Something is causing it. And in, yeah. in my traditional life in, at my work, I teach root cause problem solving to leaders. So like, how do you identify no the root cause of a problem? Um, and that's like lean management. I mean, I could do a totally separate talk on, on like the nerdy stuff I do at work, but traditional Western medicine doctors do not look for the root causes of problems. They look at the outward symptom. So I come in with inflammation and acne and they say, oh, you need a topical. Oh, you need a birth control pill. Oh, you need an antibiotic. They're not saying, why do you have acne and where is it coming from? They treat symptoms. And what happens in our society is you get put on one prescription for a symptom. You get side effects from that medication. Mm -hmm. So they put you on another prescription which leads to this downhill spiral where you're masking all of your symptoms. Your body gives you a symptom to tell you something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Instead of listening to it, we cover it up. And then it's a game of whack-a-mole that like, (laughs) what if I would have gone on Accutane and it cleared up my acne and then I got IBS as a result of destroying my gut microbiome. Okay. Well then they would have put me on medication for IBS. Okay. Well now I'm on a medication for IBS. That's giving me high blood pressure. So now they're going to put me on a high blood pressure medication. And there's all of these other downhill effects Mm -hmm. that could happen instead of pausing to ask why, but there's no money in that. There's no money in saying, Oh, Rachel, the, the reason you have acne is because you have low thyroid and you're on birth control. So ditch the birth control pill and let's get your thyroid under control and you'll be good to go. But that's not money making. Like you said, you can't put a patent on a naturally occurring substance. You can't put a patent on a healthy diet. Mm -hmm. I can't say, Hey, here's a prescription for whole foods. And then I get paid for that. They get paid when they put you on a prescription for a diabetes medication, or they recommend that you go and have lap band surgery. Like they're getting Mm -hmm. paid. And it's, uh, I think uh, an inherent flaw of our system that we are very reactive in our healthcare. We are oh, not yes. a proactive healthcare society. You are after my own heart. Yes. <laughs> I think you described that beautifully. We, they treat the what, not the why. They treat the what, not the why. And the, I think yeah. the, the biggest thing that I've learned is you have to be your own advocate. Mm-hmm. Is when you go into the doctor's office, you have to be able to clearly say, here's what is going on here's what I've tried. Here's what's not working. And then you have to be able to set a boundary. Like every doctor wanted to put me on Accutane. And I was the one that had to keep saying, no, I don't believe that that is going to be the cure. I know people that have done Accutane and their acne did not go away. 
I'm not going to do that to myself and the potential ramifications for my body. So like really being your own advocate and setting boundaries with doctors because they'll write you off as crazy. Like you go in and say, I have Mm -hmm. a really painful period. They're like, oh, it's called PMS. Take some mitol when you could have endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome. And they're just writing you off as, oh, this person's just playing it up or, or they're being dramatic. Yeah. Especially when you are a young woman and you look healthy and you, yeah, that's a really hard, a hard line to toe because it's hard to get taken seriously. And I would say like, I, I've talked a lot about like women's health during this episode, but I don't want to discount men's health. So after seeing my experience, my husband went and saw the same naturopathic doctor, which he had never done before. And same thing. He was like, I don't know. Like I feel healthy. I feel fine. Well, it comes back that he has a slew of vitamin deficiencies and a ton of inflammation in his gut and a ton of food allergies. And basically what happens is my husband's always been that person where he could eat a pack of Oreos and not gain weight. And we always joked about it to say like, oh, I wish I had your metabolism. Well, we kind of find out that it's actually not his metabolism. It's malabsorption. Mm -hmm. So he was actually not absorbing the nutrients from his food because his gut was so inflamed and his microbiome was so out of whack. So like, this isn't just for women. Like this is for men too, to say like, if you're not feeling well, that's your body telling you that something is wrong and you need to find a doctor who will listen to you or you need to start with diet and lifestyle choices. So that's part of the reason why I decided to pursue a nutrition health coaching certification was for a lot of people, if you don't have overwhelming symptoms, you're just you're tired all the time. You've got like that stubborn 10 pounds that you can't seem to lose. Sometimes it's little changes that Mm -hmm. can totally change your life of like, you don't need to go on a strict elimination diet, like the whole 30, maybe you want to, maybe it's a good experience to learn about your body and your relationship with food, but that's not the cure for everybody. And in my husband's case, it was, Hey, you're really allergic to eggs. He had never known he was allergic to eggs. We cut out the eggs we got him supplementing with the, the right nutrition that he needed and some supplements to like bring up his micro, gut microbiome health, bring up his stores of vitamin B and vitamin D and he feels great. And for him, it was a really quick fix versus for me, it's probably going to be another six to 12 months of working on my thyroid and working on my hormones. Mm. What test did he take to learn that he had malabsorption? So you can look at, and I'm not a medical doctor. I'm just regurgitating what we've heard from our naturopathic doctor, that you can look for certain inflammatory markers in the gut. So you can look for like, like you said, antibodies around your Mm -hmm. thyroid. Um, You can look for certain markers of inflammation around like leaky gut, gut permeability. You can do stool sampling as well to see like, Hey, like, is there Mm -hmm. undigested food in your stool? That could be um, a, a reason why you might have malabsorption. And he had low stomach acid. So that's, Mm. I think, like a common misconception. So if you have low stomach acid, some of your symptoms might include acid reflux. Well, if you have acid reflux, you might be grabbing Tums. You might be grabbing Tagamet or Nexium, or you go into a doctor and they're writing you a prescription. Well, what that's doing is that's actually blocking acid production. Oh, yeah. It's it's (laughs) kicking you while you're down. It's terrible. It's terrible. Exactly. So my husband didn't need acid reflux medicine. He needed digestive enzymes and hydrochloric acid to repopulate his stomach so that his food could actually break down before it got into the intestines. But again, you go into a doctor's office, they're going to say, oh, well, you've got 
some kind of acid reflux or you've got GERD, like here's a slew of prescriptions. And like you said, you're going to get kicked while you're down and you're not going to feel any better. Are you familiar with uh, Dr. Mark Hyman? Yes. I love Dr. Hyman. So he, he's famous for saying, he talks about this a lot um, that, you know, in in the nineties, when acids came out, that doctors were told to not prescribe them for longer than six weeks because they're so dangerous for for the stomach. Um, and my thought has always been before Dr. Hyman entered my life, I always thought, well, if your stomach, I've, and I've read ranges like your stomach has a pH somewhere between like one and 2.5. Why would you take something to make it less acidic when it's supposed to be that acid, like that acidic, that, that never clicked in my head. Like even as a, as a younger person, that just, that idea never really made sense to me. That's awesome. He's taking HCL and, and um, digestive enzymes. I'm a big, I do that myself. I, I'm a big fan of that. So did he, did he do stool sampling and blood work to find his results? He did so- both. Um, yeah, so you can do both. I'd say like typically the doctors are going to start with one or the other. If you have chronic extreme digest- digestive issues, there is so much that can be learned from stool sampling. One of my sister's friends was just diagnosed with parasites mm-hmm. that he probably contracted, according to his doctor, 10 years ago when he traveled to China. But he was having IBS-like symptoms and his blood mm-hmm. work came back inflammatory Thank God they didn't just put him on medication for IBS. Thank God they did a stool sample to be like, oh, you have parasites and we need to put you on something to get rid of these parasites and then you'll be fine because right now your body is fighting a living organism that is literally stealing your nutrients. So I would say depending on the severity of your symptoms, you could benefit from one or both. But if you get results back from your doctor and their first inclination is to put you on medication, I would pause and I would question it, or I would ask yeah. for different tests or ask for a second opinion before you start filling up your, your medicine cabinet with pills. Yeah. Oh, that's such great advice. I, I completely agree. I think there, I think there's a time and a place for everything. And certainly if, if I get hit by a bus, I'm going to go to the emergency room. I think that we, in a, in the United States, we are great at acute care, mm-hmm. but I think we, too often. And this is just, I'm, I'm just speaking for myself. I work in, I've worked in a hospital for several years. We treat chronic illnesses in acute care, and that's not the place where we should be treating chronic illnesses. You shouldn't be, you know, we, we shouldn't be treating type two diabetes in the hospital. And I can, I can tell you without hesitation that the majority of my caseload is all metabolic syndrome related. So hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol and the like and, and, and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Oh my God. But why is, why is that just anyways, I won't get on my soapbox about that. But oh, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's actually what st- uh, spurred me to start my, my business is I, I saw an uptick in non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And I was like, Oh my God, what is, what is happening? It was like every, every person that I got in now, granted, if you're getting orders for therapy, you're not doing great. So, but everybody I would see literally had diabetes, hypertension, hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. If I was lucky, it would say Hashimoto's. It's a lot of people have Hashimoto's, but it doesn't indicate that it just says hypo hyperlipidemia and 
And I just lost my train of thought. And yeah, and these metabolic syndrome issues. And it's not like hit by a bus. It's not, that's not what they're coming in for. They're not coming in for things that in the history you would have gone to the hospital for. And so that kind of knowing, as you so eloquently put it earlier, that we we are treating, we are managing symptoms and we're not getting to the root cause of, well, why do you have diabetes? Why do you have hypertension? Why, why are the, why can't you lose weight? We're doing a disservice. Yeah. And I think that's the number one reason why I love doing nutrition coaching. So you go to a doctor and they say, Hey, Steph, you're pre-diabetic and Mm -hmm. you need to change your diet or you're going to end up with diabetes and then you leave and that is it. And then you go home and you're like, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what this means. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. And then you end up doing nothing because you say, well, I don't know what to do. And it seems so overwhelming. And I walk into whole foods one time and I don't even know where to start. And I don't like vegetables and I'm addicted to sugar and you give up and you go back to the habits that are comfortable and they're easy. Then you go back to your doctor five years later and they're like, okay, Steph, well, now you're a diabetic and I need to give you insulin and you're going to end up with other issues. Like you're, you could end up with arthritis as a result of it. You could lose a limb later in your life because of it or end up with yeah. blindness or all of these other whole slew of issues that you could have avoided and been happier and healthier longer mm-hmm. if somebody would have stepped in to say, hey, you're not alone in this. Getting a healthier diet seems really scary when you're looking at Mount Everest but let's break it down into 10,000 little steps and let's take small victories and small wins. And that's one of the main reasons I share recipes is a lot of people are like, I don't know what to make for dinner tonight. And I don't know what's healthy. And I don't know how to use this type of ingredient. If they scroll through my feed and they're like, Oh my God, like this Buffalo chicken looks amazing. And Oh, it's whole 30 approved and there's no sugar in it. And Oh, look at the, like I can use zoodles instead of a traditional pasta and it tastes just as yummy. Like I want to make healthy food really accessible and just as tasty. I don't think you should sacrifice anything to eat healthy and feel like really, really happy with the meals that you're eating on a daily basis. And your recipes look so amazing. (laughs) So amazing. I think that's another thing that really drew me to you. I was like, oh man, her food looks so good all the time. (laughs) I definitely live to eat 100%. Mm. So for me, like I can't eat chicken and broccoli every single meal, but if I make the chicken super tasty and I season the broccoli really well, or I switch up the veggies that I'm eating and I make a really fun, like low carb, low sugar, you know, diabetic friendly dessert, Mm -hmm. then I don't feel like I've sacrificed anything in my life. And that's why I've been able to sustain it for so long. And that's where I feel like you are bridging the gap in our healthcare because doctors don't really pay attention to nutrition and food companies don't really pay attention to your health, right? So there's that, that disconnect because we, we really are what we eat. We, we are, that's, we are what fuels our body. Mm -hmm. And when your doctor doesn't, your doctors don't really have training in nutrition. So they don't really, they're, they're not really in a position to give you that kind of advice. And then, you know, Kellogg's isn't trying to give you the healthiest cereal. They're trying to sell you, they're trying to sell you a product. Um, and so there's, there's that. And so you're right. We, you really do have to be your own greatest advocate and you have to first and foremost, find people that will listen to you and also get, get the help you need. And I feel like you do a really nice job of, of bridging that gap in care. Yeah. And I don't want anybody to feel bad. Know that these big food companies 
hire scientists to make their food addictive. They are spending millions of dollars to genetically engineer food that your brain gets addicted to the same way you would get addicted to a drug. I mean, there's a really famous study about Oreos where they gave half of the lab rats cocaine and half of the lab rats Oreos and the addictive response was identical between (gasps) the two groups. So I don't want anybody listening to feel bad if you can't break your relationship with soda or chips Mm. or Oreos or any processed food because it was genetically engineered for you to get addicted to it so that you will keep buying it. And you're never going to find that information anywhere. Like you'll even see people get shadow banned on social media for talking about stuff like this because there is so much money in the lobbies behind big food marketing that they don't want you to know. And they want to keep this off of the internet so that you will continue to buy their products and not question it. That's crazy. I haven't heard of that study. I mean, I 100% believe it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, having eaten a lot of Oreos in my life, I know that you can't just eat one Oreo. (laughs) (laughs) I got really lucky. My, My mom, when she was pregnant with me, she ate like half a box of Oreos and got really sick. And I have never liked Oreos. (laughs) So maybe in the womb, I didn't like them. There you go. She passed some of those genes on (laughs) to you. She did. I don't know. That's funny. So where can our, my audience find you if they are wanting to learn your recipes, listen to you, get in touch with you? 100%. So I am at Real Health with Rach on all platforms. So you can follow me on Instagram. You can go to my website, realhealthwithrach.com. You're welcome to send me an email, realhealthwithrach at gmail.com. You can find me on that handle basically anywhere. I try to make it easy for you guys. And if you have questions, if anything that I talked about in this episode sparked questions for you, please don't hesitate to send me a DM or an email. If you're looking for one-on-one nutrition counseling, feel free to go to my website. There's a lot of information on there for you guys, or just follow my feed and make some of the yummy recipes. If anything, I hope that you take away something healthy that you can make at home and feel good about for you and your family. Thank you so much. And I will make sure to include all of her links and where you can find her in the show notes. Rachel, is there anything else you want to share with our audience before we, before we end? This has been wonderful. And the one thing that I will leave your audience with is that it's a journey. Like here I am 10 years after the start Mm -hmm. of my health journey, and it has not been a straight and narrow path. I have walked down multiple dead ends. I have been turned around. I've taken step backs and it's, it's a journey. So be kind to yourself, be patient and just try to take every day and be a little bit better than the day before. So if you're, if you're not drinking your water right now, maybe start with that, like go drink some water (laughs) and just try to establish like one healthy habit to get you going, but be kind to yourself because it's taken me a really long time to get here. And I'm not even done as you guide hers with my experience with my hormones and my thyroid. Like I am nowhere close to being done with this journey, but I feel so much better than I did a few years ago. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time. I, I loved what you had to share. I think that you are so real and authentic and that you, you have a story that a lot of people, I myself included can relate to. And it's for me, listening to your story on your podcast was really uplifting and really validating being somebody who I had skin issues too, for a really long time. And I couldn't, I went to like seven dermatologists. I couldn't get anyone to take me seriously. Um, And that was really disheartening. And so to hear, to hear your story, you know, that resonates with me. And so I know that it will resonate with others 
thank you so much for taking time to be on the show. And I look forward to trying some of your recipes and tagging you and them on Instagram. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. It was so wonderful to be here and get to know you more and share my story. I've always tried to be an open book because we need to talk about it and we need to yeah. talk about women's health. We need to talk about mental health. We need to destigmatize and just have real honest conversations. So I'm, I have to be the first one to volunteer to stand up and hope that other people will, will join me in, in sharing their stories. So beautiful. So beautiful. Well, thank you, Rachel. Thank you guys. Thanks so much for tuning into today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a rating and review. It really helps me to be more visible on podcast platforms. If you're interested in learning more about health and wellness, I do daily quizzes on my Instagram stories, so you can check them out at Holistic Stephanie Marie. On my next episode, I sit down with licensed counselor Kimberly Hagar. And we talk about health benefits of counseling, as well as some tips and tricks you can try at home. See you next time. And as always, be well and be kind.